You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Well, Merry Christmas. I think y'all can do better. Let's see that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, there we go. I really didn't hear the internet people, by the way. Get it together, guys. I'm really glad that you came if you're here, and I think you probably are. And to your friends and your family who are joining us online, we're really glad. For those of you who have braved a pandemic, uh, for those of you who are coming and joining friends and family, we're so glad that you all are here. Welcome and Merry Christmas. It's a really fun, fun day in a really dark and dangerous season we've had. It's a really, really fun thing that God has done come into the world and brought us joy. So our scripture for today is going to come from Luke chapter 2. If you want to follow along with me, if you brought a Bible or a phone, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be, Luke 2, 8. Who has a fun bag, by the way? Fun bag? Yeah? Fun bags? Who wishes they had a fun bag? That's the real question. Luke 2, 8. In that region... There were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you, this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we pray that this old story that some of us know well and that some of us are still kind of figuring out, We pray that this old story would move and speak in our lives. We pray that we would hear it with fresh ears and that you would bring good news to us. Me most of all. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. First of all, let me begin by affirming a statement that is absolutely true. The only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. That nameless, unjustified, unreasoning terror which paralyzes any efforts to convert retreat into advance. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, inaugural address, 1933. First thing he said as president. It's good stuff. Famous words. And America was doing pretty well, honestly. Like they'd come out of the 1918 pandemic and then the Great Depression, which was rough. I heard, I wasn't there. And um, there was a world war, which we won. It was a good time. And uh, yeah, it was a new year. There was a new president. The economy was doing well. Jobs were on the rise. Things looked really, really good. And by the way, the pandemic was pretty much over. Does that sound familiar? A lot of people were looking at this next year like it was going to be it. Like this next presidency. Like it was going to solve all of the problems. And I'll tell you, I think those are really wise words about fear. But... There's a little bit of wishful thinking there, too. Because the truth was, at the same time he was saying, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Adolf Hitler was actually gaining quite a following in Germany. It was only a few years. 
before he would be conquering most of Europe. There'd be totalitarian regimes for, well, really from Japan all the way across to uh, Poland. And uh, yeah, a generation of Americans would be starved by violence and death, and there would be weapons of mass destruction beyond the likes of anything anyone could ever have imagined. So if someone says that fear is something that the future will solve, I think one of the really obvious questions is, why? If we think maybe that, that we should be courageous, I think that's good, but, but why? Where, where, does that, where does that root itself? Where do we find the, the strength for that? The story we just read gives us an answer. Actually, the God of the universe gives us an answer in that story. He sends an angel, one of his messengers, great and glorious, with good news on wings of light to a weary world in a dark and miserable situation. And when he shows up, he finds humanity cowering in fear. And the first words of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid. Very literally in Greek, the end of verse 9 is three words of fear. So it's, uh, they were frightened with extreme fear. That's what it says about the shepherds. And the old King James does a really good job with the command the angel gives. Two words. Fear not. Fear not. That's what the angel says. <coughs> fear not. A command that is rooted in the gospel. Fear not. A courage that draws all of its strength, all of its power, from the manger, the cross, and the empty tomb. Fear not. The confidence, the hope that we have, which is rooted not in the future, not in some new leader, not in some new path or program, but rooted in heaven. Unshakable by the storms and the seas of the world in which we live. Fear not. Why? Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Nobody's saying anything. Come on, guys. Peace on earth. There we go. Somebody. Fear not. This is incredible news. And there's no reason to be afraid. There's some reasons maybe to be afraid. I see some of you smirking at me over the masks. There might be, the masks themselves might actually be some evidence that maybe there's some reasons to be afraid in the world in which we live. Um, I'll just take a shot at it. I might have missed some stuff in the news, but this year has been uh, rough. And um, yeah, there's been some isolation, some loneliness, some anger, some fear, some despair. Uh, we've missed most of the things that we've really enjoyed, including Easter. Um, yeah, we've been separated from loved ones, some of whom have died. It's a constant uncertainty. We don't know whether we're gonna have food at the grocery store, even toilet paper, <coughs> staple, sometimes is missing. We don't know whether we're going to have our jobs in the next couple of months. We don't know if we're going to have paychecks in the next couple of months. People have been murdered in the streets. George Floyd, a nation that seems strangely callous to injustice. Two political parties that are absolutely divided, not merely by the fact that they hate each other, they do, but also by the fact that they are absolutely terrified of one another. What those people will do to us, what those people will do to our country, what those people will do to me. And I haven't even gotten to the pandemic. <laughs> to the disease that has ravaged the world, killed over a million people, hundreds of thousands in our country, and um, yeah, you can't see it or smell it or touch it. So it's just everywhere. And so we've been told from every possible source that we need to be afraid everywhere we go, everything we do, and everyone we meet. Quite literally, to be afraid of everything because it's just out there lurking, waiting to get us. Kind of hard to hear a message like fear not in our time, and yet I think the substance of the good news for us. 
at Christmas. That God has started a war with fear. And God wins. Always. God always wins the fights he starts. He throws down a gauntlet. That's, that's why this message begins. Angels are always showing up in the gospel. Always showing up and saying, don't be afraid. Fear not. From the beginning of the Bible all the way to Revelation, fear not. God is always telling us this. And humanity doesn't really get the message. And so God finally feels the need to show up in our skin and walk among us and make it just really, really clear. Fear not, I'm with you. You don't need to be scared anymore. And we hear this, and we know that that message is true. We know that's that's really helped people in other times and in other places. And we know that people have dealt with pandemics in other times and other places. And that, you know, wearing a mask and social distancing isn't exactly rocket science. Nobody needed a computer to figure out how to deal with this particular disease, apparently. That actually in other times and in other places we've been afraid of one another. In other times and other places there have been serious moments of cultural unrest, racial injustice. That Christians have actually managed to walk through these times as faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. How? How did they do that? Now, there's a great Christian uh, writer named Miroslav Volf. There's a quote, actually, uh, that I want you to see. The primary way we have come to deal with fear and modernity is to eliminate the external sources of fear. By contrast, through most of history, the main way people dealt with fear and danger was to cultivate courage, to face dangers that could not be eliminated. In other words, in other times and places, people recognize that we are not in control of the world, that nobody can predict the future, that in all reality, we are small and mortal and vulnerable and in desperate need of something else. Because we really aren't able to solve all of our problems, and we're going to have to live with some of those problems. And some of those problems and threats are going to be really scary. That's the truth. That's kind of the nature of courage. You need fear to exist. You need threats to exist in order to be courageous. Otherwise, we're talking about something else, like pride or cowardice. You have to be able to see the fear and then move through it anyway. Something that happens inside of us. But in our time and in our place, we are strangely unable to deal with fear. Our resistance to it seems to have been dramatically lessened as a people. And so we try to numb. We try to just pretend like things don't exist. And some of us do that by watching a little more TV and diving a little deeper into Netflix and taking a few more pills and a few more drinks and a few more naps and just tuning out where we can through Instagram as much as we can. Some of us do it by activity. I'm going to work more. I'm going to get more done. We're going to paint the house. And sometimes we're ping-ponging back and forth in the midst of a quarantine. Like, tomorrow we do all the baseboards. Today I need a nap and a hammock. All of a sudden, it's just we're back and forth all the time, and we're just desperately trying to avoid the reality that this is, this is actually pretty rough right now. And there are plenty of us who have other methods and other ways of dealing with this, and the truth is not all of those seem particularly courageous. And the gospel here doesn't say to you, well, you know what you need to do is just toughen up. You need to rely on your own resources. You need to kind of pull yourself up by your... We all just need to be a little bit stronger in this season. Now, what the gospel says is that you actually don't have the resources to make it through this on your own. That you are in real trouble without Jesus Christ. That, in fact, your courage, if it's rooted in you, will not sustain you through real dangers, real threats, and real anxieties. That it has to be connected to something else. The gospel command, fear not is rooted in what comes next. Fear not, because for you this day in the city of David, there's a Savior. The world we live in has a pretty simple message, right? Fear. And that's just straightforward. You can come up with your own reasons to be afraid, 
But ours has to take a little longer because we have to talk about the God who loves us. And the God in whom we have come to find love and hope and peace and joy at Christmas. I remember when I was teaching um, our boys to swim. It's a really weird experience as a parent. You, you have to get into a pool with an infant and you know they can't swim. And you think, this isn't a good idea. He can't swim. I know better than anybody. I shouldn't be allowed to do this. And so you're going into the pool and you're, you're sort of letting a kid feel his own buoyancy and sort of kick around a little bit. And you're thinking, okay, uh, this is what I have to do. I have to put him in a dangerous situation so he can learn how to swim. And I also have to be with him because, you know, I want him to learn how to swim. Very important things. I both have to be very present, and I have to allow danger to exist. It's a crazy thing, as a dad, to let both of those things happen. Because then there's a moment where your kid starts to realize that he's small and mortal and surrounded by water that he is not big enough to reach the bottom of and not big enough to reach the edge of. And all of a sudden, he clings to you like a little koala, and you think, okay, you're very afraid. That makes sense. You should be afraid. You are not big enough to solve this problem. You need to cling to me. That just makes sense. And so in the midst of those kind of moments, I found myself talking to my son and saying, are you scared? And he'd say, yeah. And he wasn't great at English. And so we, I'd say, okay, well, um, I get that you're scared. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You know why? No, I'm with you. Dead as with you, you're going to be okay. And then because he was bad at English, he'd say, you'll be okay. <laughs> you'd be okay and then I'd catch him saying it not just in the pool but actually when he was kind of walking around on the playground or when, we'd be, when he'd be in bed and he couldn't quite sleep you'd be okay you'd be okay you'd be okay yeah it's both adorable and yet I think in a very real way the experience that we have as people who follow Jesus people who find ourselves actually surrounded by a world that is dangerous and scary which we are not big enough to reach the bottom of or the edges of where we are small and mortal and vulnerable it would be crazy for us to say, I'm not afraid. It would be crazy for us to believe that this is not a dangerous and difficult season that we're in. We absolutely are. Our courage will come in learning to lean on the God who says, fear not, because I'm with you. Fear not, because I am with you. This is the good news. This is the message of Christmas, that God is with us. It's in the name Emmanuel. Unto you this day is born a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God. That's where that peace on earth comes from. Now, we hear this and we know that sometimes what the angel is probably saying is, hey, when I showed up, that was surprising, right? When suddenly there's this heavenly being towering and terrifying and, and full of light, the appearance is scary, the fact that he just showed up out of nowhere is scary, the fact that this is a supernatural experience is scary. But one of the things we miss is that the gospel itself is God declaring war on fear. God's saying to us very, very clearly, you are too small to do this on your own. Fear not, I am with you. Fear not, it says in Isaiah, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Fear not. And this is incredible good news on Christmas Eve, that saints remember that God loves us. Fear not, this is incredible good news on Christmas Eve, that we sinners remember that God loves us. Fear not. This is the message that we are hearing this evening, and it is great and glorious news, even in a world that is as scary as it is right now. Fear not. Unto you this day, in the city of David, is born a Savior. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus.